Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Come on. Now, this is the constitution of the kingdom. It is a powerful, powerful message. And I want to say this. Don't blame the messenger. Jesus spoke this. He is the sermon writer. He's the one who taught and preached the Sermon on the Mount. We're actually in, 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 in part four. Now, I am not, some of you are going to say, thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to uh, review every single beatitude that I've done so far. We've done three. Uh, if you haven't been here, please get the podcast. But I will say some elementary things for those of you who have not. Who, by the raising of your hands, who have not been here for the last three weeks or so, and um, not to call you out, right? that's probably not a good thing to say. They're like, I'm not going to admit that. Um, anyways, uh, we talked about the Beatitudes is the first eight blessings that God, Jesus spoke and pronounced to people who yielded to these processes, all right? So it's not for everyone. It, it is for everyone, but not everyone is automatically called blessed like this. So the Bible is clear that these are conditional promises. He starts off his sermon. Think about having 20 years to prepare for a sermon. How many teachers in the house? Come on. How many preachers in the house? Imagine having 20 or so years to prepare a sermon and the first thing that come out your mouth should be a very important principle. If you've had your first public sermon that with thousands of people like this, uh, you're going to really get something that's going to be revelatory. And Jesus starts by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We talked about what poor in spirit is. It's a, it's a dependency on God by the revelation that we're bankrupt with God. Then he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Everybody say comforted. Mourning is a spiritual mourning that will, that is called uh, spiritual mourning through repentance that produces the comfort of the Holy Spirit in the form of an outpouring, not just a pat on the back. Last week, we talked about blessed are the meek. Everybody say meek. And it was powerful because we talked about meekness is not weakness. Praise God for that. Come on, say amen. Some of you, you need to pray for meekness. And, and just because you're strong uh, in things or strong personality, you actually really need to that because personality does not make you strong. Punching a wall through, through, uh, in anger doesn't make you strong. actually makes you weak. But the meek, the Bible says, inherit the earth. And that's dominion. And meekness is control strength. Come on, say Amen. Mingled with kindness, humility by choice. Thank you, Jesus. I said last week, just because you don't see the beast in me doesn't mean it's not in there. It's the same thing with you. But meekness holds it down, right? Meekness is powerful because we need meekness the most when we are victims of slander and gossip. How many know that that's true? When someone talks about you or someone uh, says something bad about you, you need to allow meekness to rise up or you will say something foolish that will actually expose how spiritual you really are. <laughs> Come on, I'm smiling at you, right? I did that just in two minutes, a quick review. Why? We need meekness because it is a characteristic trait of Jesus that makes us act like Jesus. Watch this, and I'm going to go to the new one. That does not allow us to blow up in negative emotions when things don't go our way. If we're quick to blow up, our meekness level is small. That's what meekness is for. Our meekness is not just you, you, you can have humility and softness. Humility is actually a very strong uh, a source that actually keeps your negative emotions under control. Praise the Lord. 
Now, I said all that, and let's look at now the fourth beatitude. Jesus pronounces a blessing. This is powerful today. Now, you're going to say, man, PG, again, this is, this is, a, this is, this is a, this kind of message here. I want to just encourage you to hear with open hearts today and allow the word to speak to you. And everyone said, amen. Look at Matthew 5 or 6 and the fourth beatitude. It says this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The fourth thing that Jesus said when he opened up his mouth and he got on the mountain, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Everybody say this. Say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now look at me real quick. Many Christians, again, they quote this scripture, and in my years of experience in dealing with Christians, many Christians or some Christians tend to quote or misquote the blessing in this scripture because they are misquoting it by saying good things, listen to me, like... Blessed are those who are, are hunger for the presence of God. Now, let me tell you, I hunger for the presence of God. How many hunger for the presence of God? The presence of God is amazing. It's a, it's a, it's sometimes it has a feeling attached to it. It's not a feeling, but you can feel the presence of God. Come on, say amen. And the presence of God, I don't care how, how, where you're at in your spiritual walk with God, it's a good feeling. The presence of God brings peace. The presence of God brings joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. The presence of God brings a, a, a lot of times a peace of mind. But in this scripture, that is not what Jesus is talking about. Most scriptures say, well, as long as you hunger for God. Well, notice that he didn't say, blessed are those who hunger for the presence of God. Notice he didn't say, blessed are those who hunger for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Notice he didn't say, blessed are those who hunger for the gifts of the Holy Spirit or for the works of ministry. Now, all that is good, but it's not the type of blessing that Jesus attaches to spiritual hunger. All of us are hungry all the time. Again, it's not about hunger. It's about what we are hungering for. Because if, if, if Jesus would have said, blessed are the hungry, then it would be only some that are hungry and some that are not. But praise God, all of us are hungry every now and then. It's just a matter of what we are hungering for. Now watch this. Look at this. Are you ready to shout? Jesus emphasized one main word and one main principle when it comes to the blessing he attached to spiritual hunger. And that word is righteousness. Oh, this is so good. Jesus emphasize one main phrase and one main word to the blessing he attached or pronounced to spiritual hunger. We all have spiritual hunger for things of God. But Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger for righteousness. Come on, say righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's why we have to be careful what we hunger for. Listen to me. Look at me. The diet that you choose to hunger for will determine the level of infilling that you and I get. You, you just missed that. Put that point up. The, the diet, the spiritual diet, that we choose to feed ourselves, listen, listen, will determine the level of infilling that we will have. Zoom in on me. You could have a full stomach or a bloated stomach, and they both look the same, but they're not. Come on, say amen. 
I said, say amen. You can have a bloated feeling and feel like you're full. Come on, this side saying amen better than this side over here. You can have a bloated feeling and say, oh, my stomach is full, but you're not really full. You're just bloated with spiritually inflammatory foods. Because foods in the natural that are inflammatory or junk food or cheesecake, help me, Lord, or flung, oh, God, help me, Jesus, right? Those foods, they taste good. Come on, everybody say, it tastes good. But they bloat you, and you don't feel hungry, and they're not nutritious. But boy, do you feel like you don't got to eat anymore. Why? Because you just filled yourself with some inflammatory foods or some junk food. But the good food, the good nutritious food are the ones that really make you strong. And it will really satisfy you at the end. And you know what I have found? The more you eat something, the more your taste buds will change to that which you eat. And if you don't like something and you're forcing yourself to eat it because it's good, eventually your taste buds will adapt and you'll begin to crave those vegetables and you'll begin to crave those broccoli. I know, I know, I know some of you are like, I rebuke that. No, but it's true. Uh, you, you begin to crave that cauliflower. And I watch this. And for my case, it's a true story with coffee. Man, I, I, I love coffee with, with that sugar and cream, my brother. You know, I, you know, I grew up Spanish, so I had the café con leche, right? Come on. Or the cortadito. <laughs> but you could ask my wife. Recently, I'm trying to make a change, right? I'm trying to change my hunger. Watch this. Listen. So that my taste buds could change so that I could really be full with the good stuff and not the, the bloated stuff. And so now I'll go to Chick-fil-A. Watch this. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Are you like oxymoron? No, no, no. I go to Chick-fil-A just to get black coffee, no cream and no sugar. And my wife goes, ew, right? And at first I'm like, you know, because for some reason the Chick-fil-A dark coffee is just right. And at first I was like, oh, man, I'm not going to be good. I'm not going to put sugar in it because that's fattening. I'm trying to lose weight. I'm trying to get right. I'm trying to hunger for the right things. I found myself, I just pushed through it. I'm like, okay, I'll just do it. And, you know, at first you're like, ah. <laughs> right? Then I'm, I'm not joking. After about a month, I'm like, can I get that uh, coffee? And I look with a smile. Cream or sugar? No, just black coffee. <laughs> and in my, my inner voice is like, you did it. <laughs> what am I saying? Oh, glory to God. Because there's only one thing that the Bible calls that will truly satisfy you. And it's not just hungering for the things of God. It's not hungering for the ministry. It's not hungering for the work of God. It's not even hungering for the anointing of God. It's hungering for the righteousness of God. Watch this. And walking in righteousness. And the Bible says, then you will be filled. The Greek word that I looked up for the word filled there is the word Cortazo is funny. almost sounds like cortadito, but it's cortazo. <laughs> Watch this, which means, are you ready? This is the Greek word for filled. To satisfy to the full and to quench someone's thirst. The only thing that Jesus says will truly satisfy your spirit is when you hunger for righteousness. Don't get it twisted. Not hunger for the power of God. 
That may be something that he will use you in, but it's not something that's going to satisfy you in the long haul. How many know that you can walk in the power of God and still be joyless? Come on, you can walk in the power of God and still be cranky or have a double life. But if you're hungering for righteousness, just like the physical taste buds change with me, with black coffee, when you hunger for righteousness, you're going to start craving righteousness. Oh, 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 oh. You're going to start craving righteousness, and when you crave something, you'll act in something. Whatever you crave for, you will seek to get. If, you want, if you're craving for a purse for three months, you're going to eventually break down and get that purse. If you're craving for a car, you're going to eventually, you're craving, you're going to get that car. But if you crave for righteousness, your actions will produce a lifestyle of obedience to the things of God. What good is it to hunger for the things of God without being right with God? You know what the Lord said in Luke chapter 9? It's not in your notes. He said, why do you call me Lord and don't do the things that I say? Oh, glory to God. Say righteousness. Now, I want to say this. This may sound like an old-fashioned preaching to you, but righteousness is the same, in the same breath as saying hunger for holiness. Now, there's two things you've got to understand as a church when we talk about righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Now, another word for righteousness in the Bible is justice, right? Some people think justice is only judgment, but in his judgment, he is righteous. And by the way, his judgments are always true. One of the things I told to the Lord one time, I said, Lord, whatever you're doing to, to, to righteously judge me, whatever you're doing, you're always right. I am, he, you are always right. I, even though I may not agree with it, you are always right. He is the righteous judge. That's what the Bible calls him. Now, there's two things. Put that slide up. When speaking about righteousness, there are two main truths to keep in mind. All right? Two main truths to keep in mind when talking about righteousness. Number one is justification. Everybody say justification. Now, that may be a big word to some of you. But justification is the, the, what I call the initial righteousness that can never be improved upon. That's God's righteousness. The moment you and I got born again, his righteousness was in us, and we became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I want to tell you, if it was just that, then all those who are saved will automatically be doing that. So we're not necessarily hungry only for the righteousness that we are already righteous. Righteousness, sorry, justification is what happens to your spirit. Come on, when you get born again. Can I just, can you look at me for a second? Do you really know what happens to you when you get born again? Do you, no, no, seriously. Do you really know what happened inside of you? Or did you just say a little prayer at the altar because you felt guilty? Do you know that you now become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? I, I'm going to give you a couple of very simple uh, scriptures this morning, but it's still going to be deep. Listen to me. Are you ready for this? Some old-fashioned scriptures to prove my message. Second, sorry, second criticalness. <laughs> no, second Corinthians 5, 17, verse 17 and verse 21, right? Put this in your notes. Now, everybody say justification is God's righteousness that makes me righteous. In other words, the desires that you had that change from the world to the Lord is because of his spirit living in you, which is justification. We were made right or we are righteous now in the sight of God. You know how you know, some people say, I don't even know. I don't really know if I'm saved or not. I want to give you a clue. If you're, let me give you a clue. Let me give you a clue. Has your desires changed drastically 
since making that decision. If you, if you just come into church and your desires have not drastically changed, maybe you're just coming to church and maybe you're not saved. Church attendance is good, but God is not after church attendance. He's after your soul. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, look what it says. Watch this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a, come on, say this with me, new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now jump to verse 21. Look at this. For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, say this loud, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Glory to God. You may struggle with sin as a Christian, but you're not identified as a sinner anymore. I know that's, that's theologically some of you don't agree with that. I'm not saying you don't struggle with sin, but you're not identified as that anymore when you get born again. We all struggle with the clutches of sin. We all struggle with temptation, but we're not, we're not labeled sinners anymore. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, that's the first thing, because this is important, because we tend to substitute in, listen, we tend to substitute as Christians what satisfies us in the spirit realm. Can I just, listen, look at me. We, some of the substitutions that we use to satisfy us instead of righteousness, remember? So some of you, you're viewing righteousness right now by your, by your facial expression. You're viewing righteousness as um, cauliflower and, and, and cold broccoli, you're like, I know that's good for me, but oh no. Which is going to lead me to the next point. But we have many substitutes to fill us or to satisfy us. Some of those in the church, some of them are, watch this, these, these are good, okay? Christian friends. Christian friends is awesome. We all need Christian friends, but some of us look to Christian friends to satisfy our loneliness. Or to fill us. Where the Bible doesn't say, blessed are those who have godly friends, for they shall be filled. So the substitute to some of us is, some of us is Christian music. Praise and worship. Even preaching. We can get a whole bunch of preachings and teachings and podcasts. And if we're not careful, we'll just be filled with a lot of knowledge. The Bible says knowledge puffs up. It puffs up. You know that Jesus said, you search the scriptures to and fro and trying to prove to me when it's me that they're talking about. You search the scriptures, you search the scriptures, but it's me that they're talking about. So, so justification is the things that you, ha- you and I have already received, listen to me, when we get saved. Now the second word, when it com- which is, this is what I'm going to talk about. And, and while I was in, in, in worship today, the Lord gave me a scripture for this house that is not back there. You guys are not going to have it. You're just going to have to search it because I'm just being led by the Spirit. I want to release a scripture that has to do with this. The second word when it comes to righteousness is the word sanctification. Now sanctification is entirely different than justification. Because sanctification means, ready, watch this, put your seatbelt on. God forbid that you and I have a responsibility to walk out choices and decisions according to the, God's word that will make us to pursue, to, to live a righteous life. Because freedom involves responsibility on your part. God is not going to wave his hand and say, you're free. I, I want to say this very boldly. This is amazing. This is powerful. This is, this is absolutely powerful because if you don't get this, you're not going to get the whole message. 
Sanctification means is a process, everybody say a process, of yielding to the Word of God and to the Holy Spirit so that your soul could continually be um, not righteous, but live righteous. Now, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In other words, hunger and thirst for his ways of righteousness that will produce a lifestyle of holiness and righteousness through the Holy Spirit. Watch this now. This is so key. If I can't say anything else, this is blow, blew me away. I said it this morning in, in the staff meeting before, uh, uh, before the service. You and I have the ability to move the uncreated God's heart. You and I have the ability, human beings have the ability to grieve God. If, if we didn't have the opportunity to grieve God, it would not say grieve not the Holy Spirit or quench not. We actually have the ability to quench the Holy Spirit. We, human beings, right? Why do I say this? Because our decisions determine our freedom level every day. It is not some spiritual thing for some strong believers in God. I think some of you guys, you keep falling because you feel like freedom is only for those spiritually mature people that speak in tongues for an hour and they walk and they get up and they like hallelujah and they get up. We think that, we think that people get up speak, speaking in tongues as soon as they get up from, the, uh, from bed. Let me tell you something. We're all flawed. But this is the reason why I say that. You and I have decisions to make, and that decision every day that we make determines our freedom level or our bondage level. That blows my mind. That blows my mind because it's now putting it on you and I to dictate our freedom or our bondage, not on the devil or on God. Now you say, wait a minute, Pastor Joe, wait a minute now, I don't, I don't know about that. No, God is the only one who can set us free. I know that. Don't get it twisted. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that your decisions and my decisions and my choice every day will determine the level of freedom or the level of bondage has nothing to do with the devil and has nothing to do with God. God does not have a predetermined level for your freedom. You say, oh, Pastor George, listen to this slide. God is righteous, watch this, and his sons and daughters, as his sons and daughters, look at that slide, we have the ability to sustain, everybody say sustain, righteous and holy living by what we choose to obey on a daily basis. Romans 6, verse 16, some of you guys know where I'm going. Romans 6, verse 16 through 18 in the NLT, say amen. Remember what Jesus is saying here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, I want to pause. I didn't feel this, the, uh, I didn't feel this in my notes, but I want to say it's not self-righteousness. I, I need to say that. It's not your holier-than-thou righteousness. <laughs> it's blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. In other words, I want to pursue a godly life. I want to pursue holy living. I want to be holy. I, I want to close the doors to every compromise. I want to close the door to every sin. And when God sees that, he says, you're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I want to close every door. Now watch this. Romans 6 verse 16. This is going to be good. And then I'm going to share a scripture that I believe God sh shared with me earlier. And I believe it's prophetic for this house. But after this scripture. Romans chapter 6 verse 16 and 18 NLT. Are you getting something? Watch this. Don't you realize, Paul the Apostle says, that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? 
Now, I'm about to say, we've said this before, but I'm going to say something so, every now and then I read the word and I'm like, this is, I, I don't, I can't understand why you, how you trusted us with such power to dictate things. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose? Everybody say whatever I choose to obey. That's what I become a slave of. Before I continue that scripture, think about what you're choosing to obey on a daily basis. Just think about it. Come on. Just marinate on it for a second. What are you choosing to obey at night? What are you choosing to obey in the morning? What are you choosing to obey in the afternoon? What are you choosing to obey in your thought life? You can be a slave to sin which leads to death, or you can choose. Everybody say choose. I love that. It's not super spiritual for super spiritual people. You could choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey the teaching you ha- that we have given you. Now, watch this, you are free from slavery to sin. Now, this is mind-boggling to me. And you have become slaves to righteous living. I said this in the team, but I want to say it to you guys. What, what, what is a slave? Well, you can talk back at me. What was a slave in the old days? You, were, you did what you were told. You pretty much had no choice. You were actually controlled in many times by chains towards a certain direction. The Bible says when you hunger and thirst for righteousness and you choose to obey righteous things and decisions righteously, that you actually be ruled by righteousness. Come here. Righteousness is leading you. Come here. You know, no, no, no. You're going this way. When you yield and hunger to righteousness, you'll be a slave to righteousness. My God, that is freeing. Now, Chris, I know you had given me, this is the, prefer, this is the word. You had given me a voice uh, text uh, uh, about two weeks ago, and I, and I shared some things with you afterwards. And I haven't released that. But I'm not going to release the word yet. One of these days I will. But Chris gave me a, 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 a long prof- um, word for the church saying that he's about to sanctify the house, and he's, the, the, the Lord is moving, right? But when he moves, he sanctifies first. Always remember this. Always remember this. And sanctification looks different to different people. Can I preach for you a second? Sometimes sanctification looks like you making the decisions to adjust certain things in your life. Sometimes sanctification looks God removing certain things out of your life or certain people out of your life or certain uh, drama out of your life or certain tendencies out of your life. That's a process of sanctification in your life. And so he said that to me, and then I, I, I didn't share this part with him. But today I heard the Holy Spirit say something prophetic to me, which is really rare when it comes to my preaching. Uh, I, I, I flow in the Spirit, but like I felt the Scripture strong. He said, this is for this house prophetically. And I don't, I'm just going by memory. Joshua chapter 3, if you guys can put it there. Joshua, Joshua chapter 3 in the New King James. It's not in my notes. Verse 2. This is a prophetic word for RCC right now. This is it right here. This is a verse, uh, I'm going by memory here. Joshua chapter 3, verse 2. Let's start at verse 2. Help me, Lord. I think that's it. Let me know when it's up there. Now watch this. Joshua was about to get the promised land. Everybody say promised land. I'm prophesying to you. He was about to enter into something new. Moses had just died. Now watch what God told Joshua and what Joshua said to the people. And I believe this is thus saith the Lord for remnant Christian sender community. Are you ready? So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. Right? They're about to take the promised land. 
And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark, the presence of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, the ark, then you shall set forth from your place and go after it. Everybody say, go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you, whew, that you may know the way which you must go. Are you ready for this? For you have not passed this way before. Where you're about to go, you have not passed this way before. But what, what's, the, what's the contingency plan? What's the caveat? And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Come on! Notice didn't say God's going to sanctify you. He says you sanctify yourself because when you prepare yourself, when you sanctify yourself, when you repent and make adjustments for righteousness, God is about to do wonders among you because where I'm about to take you, you've never been there before. But the preparation to get to the place where you've never been there before is sanctification. God is not only wanting to move in power in this house. He wants to sanctify the house. Man, there's so much I could say about that. True and long-lasting freedom, put this slide up, requires responsibility on our part. Do yourself a favor. Stop blaming the devil for your lack of freedom. Settle it right now. I'm teaching you the scriptures here. This is not Pastor George saying it. Settle it right now that the bondage that you are facing is because of decisions that you are making. Romans 6. And the freedom that you will experience, even in your mind, it's about a decision. Now, be careful that you don't make a decision based on your hurt. Because you can make a decision based on your hurt and then end up making a decision that you will regret months later. It feels good right now to do something, but if you do it and it's not God's will for your life, you will see the results of that decision. Remember, there's a difference between forgiveness and consequence. God forgives us for the decisions we make, but we sometimes have to bear the consequences. Some people don't realize this. Read 1 and 2 Samuel where the Bible clearly states that after David sinned with Bathsheba, he asked for forgiveness. And how many people know that God forgave him? But the Bible says he would not bless his first seed with Bathsheba. And that baby died a stillborn. Some people say, well, I don't know. No, no, no. Read it. I read it thoroughly. It is a result of the decision he made. If someone, if someone rapes someone and they get convicted, they may have remorse and they have ask forgiveness and God forgives them. But they're going to go to jail. Oh, God, there's so much. Now, why righteousness? Why righteousness? Have you ever wondered why? Why righteousness? What are the benefits of righteousness? And why, why would God say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness? Why didn't he, why didn't he pick anything else? Oh, this is going to be good. Because I want to share about four or five things. And one of them is going to be super revelatory that has to do with Joshua chapter 3 for this house. Okay? Uh, because we, we, we tend to want revival without wanting the conditions of revival. Ooh, that was good. That was, I want to say that again. We tend to want revival without the conditions that revival calls for. 
Now listen to this. Listen, why righteousness? Everybody say, why righteousness? Now, I, I, there's, there's, in the scripture, there's principles, clear statements that illustrate how the Lord views righteousness. How the Lord views, I'm going to say that again, how the Lord views righteousness and how important it is to him. And what I found in my life is that uh, walking in agreement with God's word will produce massive results. All right? And now, now watch this. I have seen how purposeful, unrighteous deeds can also, listen, repel the presence of God from our lives or attract the presence of God in our lives. Please listen to me before I go to the why righteousness. Do you know that there are certain things in the kingdom or certain things about our lives that actually repel the presence of God from our life? He still loves us, but it repels the presence of God from our life. Or there are certain things like a magnet draws the presence of God. Do you want a magnet to draw the presence of God? Or do you want something that propels the presence of God away from you? Now look at me. Watch this. Righteousness, he's a clue, always draws the person of the Holy Spirit on you in a greater way. Some of you heard my teaching years ago, and again, I'm going to get to my point, but I just feel this from the Lord, okay? That the dove is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit, but it's symbolic of the person, the gentleness, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, the dove, we see that Jesus, that he landed, the Holy Spirit came as a dove and landed on Jesus, who is the epitome or epitome of righteousness. Now, why do I say that? Because in the Old Testament, when the raven and the dove went out from Noah's ark, the raven kept coming, sorry, the, the raven kept coming back because there was dead flesh all over the earth. Bodies were all over the earth floating on the waters because of the flood. And the raven, by nature, is a carnivore. They, they, they're meat eaters. They're flesh eaters. So they, they kept coming back because bodies were all, all over. They, they didn't have any problem landing on unclean things. When the dove came out, he came back. Because the dove's diet is fruits and seeds and does not eat anything unclean. When he saw dead bodies, the dove would not land on unclean things. You want the presence of God to be attracted in your life? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. And the dove's going to come down in a great way. So why righteousness? Number one, number one, number one. The Lord's eyes are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their cry. The eyes of the Lord, agents of attraction, agents of attraction. What is it that attracted you to the person that you're in? you're with who, who what who what attracted you to the other person that you're attracted to there are agents of attraction that attracted you watch this i believe there's spiritual agents of attraction the eyes of the lord are on those are the righteous look at psalm 34 watch this this is key this is key this is where i'm going to explode here on you the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ear open to their cry. That's Psalm 34. That's straight scripture. His eyes are on those who are pursuing righteousness. Watch this. This is important. Why? Listen to me. This is key. Because anywhere the Lord's eyes and ears land on, his favor and acceptance are there. Anywhere the eyes of the Lord lands on and his ears land on, Hear me now. 
His favor and acceptance are there in a more concentrated way. Please hear me now. Please hear me. This is so important because the two, this is where, where I, what I texted you, the two clearest scriptures of revival, and I said this a couple weeks ago back there in, in, our, plan, in our planning time, before briefing time. The two most biblical scriptures of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, most of you know where I'm going, is Joel chapter 2, where he says, come to me with weeping, fasting, and mourning, and then afterwards I will, I will restore the years that the canker worm has destroyed in your life. Then I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, right? That's the first main recipe for an outpouring of the spirit. The second main recipe of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, not in a goofy way, in a biblical way, is in Second Chronicles seven fourteen. but we only quote verse 14, but not 15 and 16. What is verse 14? Come on, you theologians, say it with me. If my people who call by my name humble themselves and pray, seek my face. Wait, wait, what? I, I, I lost that one. What? Turn from the wicked. That, that's, in a sense, seeking righteousness. Then I will hear from heaven. I will heal your land. I'll forgive you of your sins, right? And we say amen. Could you put Second Chronicles 7, verse 15 and 16? The verse is right after that. Remember, the eyes. Everybody say the eyes. Of the Lord are on the righteous. Come on, say the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their cry. Now, my eyes. This is right after 2 Chronicles 7.14. This is right after. You want a spiritual recipe for revival in your life or in your church or in your business? Humble yourself. Everybody say humble. There's four ingredients to, to revival, biblically. Humility. Pray. Right? Humble self, pray. Seek my face speaks of worship. Seeking the face of God speaks of adoration. And turn from your wicked ways. That means pursuing righteousness. Right? Now watch this. After we do that, now my eyes will be open and my ears. Do you see the correlation in Psalm 34? My eyes and ears. And ears, listen, be attentive to prayer made in this place. Oh, God, God answers all prayers. God hears all prayers. But then why did he say, now my eyes and my ears are going to be in a more concentrated place for prayer in this place? Are you ready for the verse 16? Are you ready? For now I have chosen, uh-oh, and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. His eyes, his heart, his ears are perpetually steered and geared towards those who pray, walk in humility. Can I just be, I'm just going to be, I want to be, be a community that has these four attributes consistent in our life. I want to be able to walk in humility. Come on. Humble yourself and pray. I want to be people that pray. Come on. Not just have good services. Come on. You, some of you need to come on Tuesday nights because you're missing it. We pray. Is it hard sometimes? Yes, but we're plowing. We're plowing the fallow ground for you and for the city and for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then we worship God. Come on. Don't get distracted. Some of you are way too distracted right now. Get off your phones. I'm serious. Respect the word of the Lord. You need a preacher like me every now and then. Reverence the things of God, guys. Come on. I see people on their phone when I'm preaching. Come on, let's get, let's get into what God is doing. And then he says, 
Turn from your wicked ways. Then the eyes of the Lord shall come and, and be on us. Do you say amen to that? The second reason why righteousness is number two. This is so powerful. Look at this slide. The Lord loves righteousness. Look at Psalm 111. Sorry, Psalm 11, verse 7. 711, 11, 7. Watch this. For the Lord is righteous. What does he say next there? The Lord, he loves righteousness. Have you ever seen that scripture before? For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. Look at me. Can we get to a point that we just love righteousness because he loves it? Can we get to a point in our walk with God, church, that we love hungering for righteousness, not because a preacher is beating us down and trying to get us convicted and trying to get us to live right? Can we just live right because he loves righteousness? Can we get to a point that we love what he loves and hates what he hates? Not in the name of a culture that is trying to accept everything that everybody does. Do you know that God actually hates certain things? We have this little goofy uh, uh, image of love, of God's love, that he just loves everything. No, he doesn't love everything. He loves everybody, but he doesn't love the actions of everybody. Can we just love what he loves and hates what he hates? Can we do it for that purpose and not because it's just we have to live righteous? So here it goes. I'm going to live righteous now. Here you go, God. I, bet you, I hope you're happy. He loves, thank you, he loves righteousness. Come on, say he loves righteousness. Why? Because I believe what's one of the highest desires of God, because he is righteousness. That's why I believe he loves righteousness. He loves righteousness. L listen, and you know what the Bible says? This is so good that the, 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 when describing Jesus, um, the writer of Hebrews talks about a scepter. Now, anybody knows what a scepter is? A, a scepter is a, uh, a, was, a, was a kind of a, almost like a pole or a staff that kings used, but it was symbolized their authority and power. That's, the, that's what a scepter was. But in reading some Greek uh, definitions of scepter, it was actually used for the king to lean on. Listen, this, listen. The king would lean on the scepter. It would be dependent at times on the scepter. Well, you know what the Bible says the scepter is? Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 through 9. But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. Watch this. A scepter of what? A scepter of what? A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness. And have hated lawlessness. That's New Testament. New Testament. Loves righteousness and he hates lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. That is saying that a scepter was used by kings to lean on. That means Jesus leans on righteousness. The Lord leans on righteousness. Righteousness keeps it standing, keeps the, the kingdom standing. And I believe that we have to love righteousness because he's beautiful and he's righteous. When you look at those eyes and when you fellowship with the Son of God, he is blameless and that is beautiful and is so attractable in the spirit. 
And I want to give you a clue for those of you waiting to get married. Was if you really want a woman of God, men, or if you want to want, if you really want a, a man of God, ladies, the thing that will spiritually attract you to that person is your life of holiness. No one wants someone that could quote scriptures, but they all have an attitude and they have, they're pompous and they're prideful. They don't, no one wants that. Stop, stop fooling yourself. You could be the most handsome person in here. But if you don't have humility, you don't have a prayer life, if you're not walking with the word, a woman of God is not going to look at you. Hmm. Number three, why righteousness? The Lord rewards us for our steadfastness in righteousness. Everybody say rewards. Now, I want to say this because this is powerful. Now, we don't just live for rewards without a relationship with God, but God is into rewards. Psalm 18, verse 20, look at what it says. Psalm 18, verse 20. Say amen when you're there. It's going to be on the screen in New King James. Psalm 18, verse 20. The Lord, this, to me, this is mind-boggling. I read this scripture, I'm like, I can't believe this actually says this in the scriptures. Remember what we're talking about today. Those who hunger for righteousness, he calls blessed. He calls blessed. Let me just pause and say, how many want God to pronounce specific blessings over your life? This is one ingredient to do it. Are you hungering for righteousness or is it a struggle for you? Is it, is it a turn off for you? Is it like pulling teeth for you? Now watch this. I, when I read this, I was like, what? This is the Bible? Everybody say, the Lord rewards righteousness. Say this with me. The Lord will reward my family when we align ourselves to his righteousness. Watch this. The Lord, the psalmist said, the Lord rewarded, watch this, me according to my righteousness. <laughs> Where's my amens here? <laughs> I don't know if you're getting convicted or excited. I don't know. But, man, I felt like shouting there. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness. Yes, that's Old Testament. But let's look at it as a principle here. According to the cleanness of my hands, he recompensed me. What? What? He, he, he rewarded me and he recompensed me based on the fact that I'm aligning myself with the obedience of God's word. And therefore, that's why he's rewarding me. Some of you, you've been waiting for a long time. God's about to reward your righteousness in him, your obedience in him. He's about to, look, look at this next verse. Keep going. Keep reading. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. Look at me. Look at me. Can we say this? And have not wickedly departed from my God. Watch this. Come on, RCC. Watch this. For all his judgments were before me, and I did not put away his, his statutes from him, from me. Sorry. Now look at verse, look at that last verse, the next verse, whatever that is. <laughs> 23, yeah. I, I also was blameless before him and kept myself from iniquity. And watch this. Therefore, what does that mean? Therefore means it's a it's a connecting word of the of the previous verse. Right? I have kept the Lord's ways, right? I have been integrous, therefore the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness and according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. Let me just give you a breakdown of what that means in modern language. The favor of the Lord. Some people, yes, the favor of the Lord is sovereign, and I get that. But I'm telling you that God 
increases more favor to those who are aligning himself in his word. And he's, you're going to get favor and be recompensed with favor when you align yourself with the word of God. When you align yourself to the word of God, God gives you the favor of God. Even in our finances, some of our financial committee knows since we've made a decision to align ourselves in this church with the things, with a microscope, in our finances, the Lord has blown up our finances in a huge way the last three months. Why? The favor of God follows obedience. The favor of God will follow your obedience. Amen? This is so awesome. The apostle Paul stated, this, this, this scripture always makes me cry. Then I'm about to have the worship team come here. Come here. But the apostle Paul says that God is not going to award us in this life, but in the life to come because of the righteousness. But, th- but then he said something that I kind of forgot. God could give us any reward he wants. Listen to me. Any reward he wants when we stand before him. I have a newsflash for the church. We will all stand before the Lord. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we convince men, the Bible says. Listen, we will all, the judgment seat of Christ means we will all, all. The great white throne judgment, you don't want to be on that one. But the judgment seat of Christ, every believer will stand before the Lord according to his works, and he will be, he will be righteously judged by the Lord. And the Lord can give at that moment any, any reward for those who are his servants. But look what he chooses to give. <sighs> Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 8. Paul was at the end of his life. If I could have the worship team come up and just after, after the scripture. Paul said, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. He's, the guillotine was about to come on him. Some historian says that he, he got his head chopped off in a guillotine. As a martyr, he goes, I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering. Don't get distracted. Listen to me. And the time for my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Watch this. What he, could, he could give anything to those who have kept the faith. Watch this. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. It wasn't the crown of peace. It wasn't the ribbon of hope. It wasn't, it, it wasn't the trophy of grace given to us. He said, what can I give my sons and daughters that look just like me and reward them? What can I give them that moves my heart? Because I'm righteous, I'm going to give them a crown of righteousness. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He has a crown prepared for you and I that he's called the righteous crown. God didn't say be relevant as I am relevant. He didn't say be anointed as I am anointed. He didn't say be powerful as I am powerful. He said be holy as I am holy. Jesus, put this slide up, not only rewards the righteous, righteousness, but he will give us the crown of righteousness for our obedience. Thank you, Lord.
I say, say thank you, Lord. And lastly, why righteousness? Why, why righteousness? The fourth reason and the last reason. Because walking in righteousness, are you ready to shout? Helps us to guard and protect our heart from demonic power and the power of sin. It's not just walk righteous because I said so. I don't think any parent wants their child to obey just because I said so. You want them to want to do it. Yeah, you're going to be grateful they do it, but they're kicking and screaming and they execute your command. You know that they're really not wanting to do it. And guess what? When you're, they're not looking, they're going to do it. All. They're going to do what they want because obedience without relationship or desire sometimes will produce a short-lived obedience. Man, but I'm looking for a generation that will say yes because they want to and no to unrighteousness because they love God, not because of some sort of penalty that's going to happen to them. Now watch this. Righteousness protects you and I from the darts of demonic power. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's only five of you saying amen. Righteousness or seeking righteousness, seeking God's holiness, seeking to walk out in holiness and closing those doors actually protects us from demonic power to affect our heart. Watch this revelation here. I'm closing with this. In the famous scripture in Ephesians chapter 6 of the whole armor of God, we all know this, right? But I found that there's one piece of the armor that is almost like not talked about a lot. We talk about the word uh, of, the, uh, of the, the sword of the spirit. Uh, they're all offensive, not offensive, offensive. In other words, like the, 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 the shield of faith, right? You could, you, could, you could whack somebody with a shield. I'm serious. You could whack somebody in their head with a shield and they'll get knocked out or they could die. The sword, you could actually kill somebody. You run with your feet. But there's one that all it does is to protect. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. It's not a suggestion, by the way. It's mandatory for you to go into spiritual battle. That you may be able to withstand, withstand and not fall in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate. What are we talking about this morning? The breastplate of righteousness is the only one in the armor piece other than the loin belt of truth that is not used as a weapon to kill, but is used to protect. And guess what? I'm going to shout now, and I'm really going to shout. It's the only thing in battle, the breastplate. But you know what the breast, the, where the breastplate, why it's called the breastplate? Because it is covering the most vital organ in your whole body. 
It is, it is guarding the, the number one organ that if that stops, everything else will stop. Your kidney can stop and you can still function. Your liver and you can probably get something else. Your spleen, your gallbladder. But if your heart stops, you will die. And the breastplate of righteousness protects the heart of a Christian from the onslaught of the devil. And that's why the matters of the heart, Darlene, you don't know this, but this was my last scripture in Proverbs chapter 4 in the NIV in verse 23. Everyone see this. Look at this. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows out of it. Everything you do. Come on, say everything I do flows from my heart. Come on, say everything. Not some things. Not a majority of things. Everything that I do flows from my heart. That's why I have to walk in righteousness. Because when you walk in righteousness, what you're really saying is, God, I give you permission to guard my heart from the attacks of the enemy and the emotions that are going to affect my mind and my heart when I want to leave my husband or when I leave my wife or when I want to do wicked things. Your righteousness actually dark boink, 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 and your heart is covered through the breastplate of righteousness. Come on, somebody start hungering for righteousness in this place. We need to start hungering for righteousness the way that you talk to your spouse, the way that you talk to authority, the way you gossip, the way you backbite, the way you complain, the way you open up doors to pornography, the way whatever it is, those are open doors that the enemy wants to get your heart because if you can get your heart, you will be disobedient, offense, bitterness, unforgiveness. The breastplate of righteousness protects you from demonic power. Come on, stand up to your feet. Stand up to your feet. I believe it's time for the church to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Come on. I believe it's time for the church to hunger for righteousness, not just for a move of God. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com. Dot com.